0: I'm just like such a control freak just by nature that I have to tell myself before I do anything creative and kind of just like to start my day in general. I have the mantra of I allow the universe to surprise me in the most joyous of ways. And I just, I I have to say that to myself because I have to just like make sure that I'm letting things happen to myself instead of just like wanting to control everything that happens.
1: Hey, welcome to Artistic Beginnings. I'm Mitch. And I'm Melody.
2: This is a podcast where we speak with a variety of creatives to learn about their artistic beginnings.
1: Today on our show, we have Tessa Ray Evelyn.
2: Tessa is an experienced actor turned director living in Los Angeles.
1: Among a ton of other incredible topics, we had a really in depth conversation about mindfulness and its importance in the industry.
2: Super exciting. So let's jump right back in.
0: And then when that one doesn't work, I do, when I don't know what is happening, I choose to be curious and excited about what is to be.
1: (laughs) That's amazing. I love those. I think that everybody can benefit from that. And definitely control freaks because I totally feel that.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm a major, major control freak. i have a a planner. I like to know exactly what's going to happen, all the steps to take to get somewhere. And when that doesn't happen, I start to panic. And those two mantras really kind of like keep me grounded and I feel like much more at ease about just life in general <laughs> rather than everything that kind of comes at you.
2: Where where did those mantras come from?
0: Um one of them I think I read in a book. And then the second one, I think I I think I found that one. Um, it was, it came from something else. And then I changed it to um, what just kind of suited me. It came from something about like um, needing to control like what's happening or, or it was the feeling of being out of control with the world and choosing to be like excited about what's going to happen instead of um, fearful.
2: That's really awesome. Like, have you done any like uh, research into like mindfulness and that kind of thing like that's all I could think of when when you were mentioning those those mantras
0: oh yeah like a hundred percent I uh can't I, the person that I was before I found any sort of mindfulness in my life is a different person
2: mm. how so
0: I think it's brought me a lot of peace as like an artist and a human um, and just as an overall, uh, like more spiritual person, I feel so much more grounded. Um, and l- we talked a little bit about it a minute ago, but just the control aspect and in the arts, you have so little control over anything that is, is I guess in the world is outside of you. Um, especially when it comes to career stuff.
2: Yeah, I, I found uh, like I, I recently got into a lot more mindfulness practice with um, uh, just the people that I work with are very much involved in in deep meditation and really being aware of your surroundings and being kind of in a mindset of gratefulness always. Mm-hmm. And I found that really appealing. I can definitely see how it's it's helpful in that kind of really managing expectations and and making sure that, you know, you're taking all of the. You're rolling with the punches, essentially.
0: Yeah, and I think it really allowed me to bring joy into my creative life that kind of was absent once I started, once I turned my art into uh, a career. Um, I lost a little bit of the joy in it. And I think uh, staying grounded and mindful and reminding myself to be excited about what's coming and to remind myself to allow things to happen um, gave me so much more room to bring that kind of happiness and carefree
1: uh, ness to my life.
2: Yeah, I like that idea.
1: Yeah, it's very it's very easy to forget when you're in the arts that you know you're having fun <laughs> and it's supposed to be a joyous thing. Because when you get into the business side of it, you get very in your head about it. And I think it's really wonderful that you found a way to kind of like sit back and really look at it and be like, no, this is something that I really enjoy doing. And like, because it's so uncertain, because we know it's like, you can't count on anything. It's nice to be able to be like, no, I can enjoy it and like be excited about things that are coming. And just changing that mindset, I think is wonderful and hard to do. Uh, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: it's easy to say I'm excited about it, but, like, actually putting the work into, you know, get yourself grounded and get yourself in that mindset is – it's tough. Yeah. To,
0: I think that's the best way. It's so much – it's so easy for anyone to be, like, just have fun. Like, just, like, don't worry about it. Just, like, have a good time. And to find the balance of genuinely meaning it that you are having a good time – and also still focusing on the ambitious part of you that is trying to make this a career. Like that's, that's, uh,
1: that takes a lot of practice. Definitely. Yeah.
2: I'd love to hear more about kind of your experience with that transition. So uh, you said that um, this mindfulness kind of uh, brought you the ability to bring back the joy, even after you made the transition from uh, maybe starting off doing the arts and more of a, uh, a more fun capacity versus a uh, career uh can you talk about like what those experiences were where you like what was the transition point and uh what were your experiences that kind of led you to the needing to to find that uh motivation for mindfulness
0: um well i think that i've always been a very driven person and like we mentioned earlier i I like to have a plan. I like to know how to execute that plan and then I will take I will do all of the steps that it takes to to finish that. Um and I I did everything that I thought I was supposed to do. I, you know, went to school for acting, I take class for acting, I did workshops for acting. Um and then when it came down to it, the business side of it was just so not something that I was prepared for. And, um, I kind of felt like I, uh, started to lose myself in, in the, in the, the stress of not understanding the steps. I just thought like if I knew how to do this, I I could. I was getting advice from people and hearing things from people and I was like, oh, okay, I need to build a website and I need to do this and I need to do that. And like, okay, great. Got a website. Okay, great. Got a resume. Okay, great. Did a short film, putting a reel together. Like I'm doing it. But then I realized that like in all of that, it still wasn't, it just didn't feel like I was like enough to get cast in the things that I wanted to be cast in. And it it felt like I wasn't achieving the things I wanted to be achieving. And at a certain point, once you've done all of the steps, it's just patience and practice. And that really started to like wear me down when it still wasn't happening. And it was like, but I'm doing everything that I should be doing, right? Like I'm doing all the things. And um, I eventually got to the point where, I noticed that like uh, my sister who she and I lived together and my mom came to visit and we were all out to dinner and I was like revved up about like, I couldn't even have dinner. Like I was like, well, I need to be, I need to be, I probably need to be doing this. I probably, I, you know what I should do? I should redo my website. I should redo my website. And it got to the point where like my mom looked at me and she was like, can you just have dinner? <laughs> and I was like, uh, No, like I couldn't be present because I was thinking about all the things that I should or could be doing to move this career forward and um I would say in about I would say like 2015 I started uh meditating and it was it was really just to find like a practice just something that I could do every day and after I I've I've been meditating ever since I journal every day um I, and I, I, I've kind of developed like a very small routine that over time got me to a place of more self-acceptance. And, um, the mantras that we kind of talked about earlier kind of started allowing like this joy to come back in. Cause I was creating space for things to happen instead of kind of like, like strangling my career and life uh, to the point that everyone around me just wanted to strangle me.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like you had that kind of checklist that you felt like you had to accomplish and and that was actually going to move you forward. And after you kind of took that that checklist away and started really being kind of more more present and really aware of allowing things to happen rather than kind of forcing them through um, that that really kind of opened up whole new opportunities for you.
0: Well, it's funny you should say that because that's kind of exactly what happened. Um, I spent all of uh, uh, all of Christmas last year telling myself that I was going to spend all of 2019 just simply allowing things to happen. That I was just going—I wasn't going to force anything. I wasn't going to take class. I wasn't going to—you know—I was going to open myself up, open my schedule up so much that I was going to allow things to come to me. And uh, I started directing. And I haven't auditioned at all this year. And I've directed four projects this year that all came to me. I didn't go out looking for them. They People approached me to do it. So, yeah.
1: It seems like um, making space is a very important thing. And, you know, it's playing that game of I'm doing all the things. Why is nothing happening? And like you said, it is such a waiting game because, you know, it could happen tomorrow. It could happen next year. It could happen in two years. And I think that being able to just like sit in the uncertainty and be like, you know what? No, I'm just going to let things happen and I'm going to be okay with it. And I think making that space and getting that thought of like, why isn't it happening yet into I'm just going to let it happen is extremely helpful and like really cool that you were able to do that. And that, you know, things came to fruition because of it.
0: Yeah. And it's so funny, because the things that came into fruition were not necessarily things that I had spent the last five years working towards.
2: Yeah, has that spilled out into any other kind of parts of your life too? I, I I think we do want to talk about kind of your your transition a little bit from uh, the performing side to the the director opportunities that you've taken, but I'd love to understand a little bit more about kind of how this practice has probably seeped into the, the rest of your life and just kind of what, what that's meant for you.
0: Uh, well, I, I met someone recently who, like in the last year, um, and he said to me, like, oh, you just, you seem so um, at ease about your career. And he was like, for someone in LA to be just so at ease with their career, it seems so interesting. He was like, you just seem at ease about everything. You know, like you're not worried about where your life is going and like how it's going to get there. And um, I laughed because I was like, oh, well, you didn't know me. (laughs) you know, three years ago, that was a very different kind of thing. But um, yeah, I, I think that it has changed uh, the way that I even just kind of like look at my own self, like my own, I don't know, it's changed a little bit of my self worth and the way that I kind of look at how I value my time, how I value the people in my life. Like, I feel like I'm I'm a little more choosy and a little bit more selective about the things that I do because uh, I've opened up so much space, I guess. In January, I went to Europe. And then in February, I went to Yosemite. And I really just decided that I was going to open myself up to experiences. And I just kind of kept saying to myself, like, I'm really, really excited about whatever this year is supposed to be. And in February. Maybe like late February, a friend of mine came to me and she said, hey, I wrote this script. It's for this film festival. Um, it's very like unique. It's called Spliff, um, which is a, a stoner film festival in Seattle. And she was like, would you direct my short? And I was like, oh, that sounds fun. Like, cool. Like, let's do it. Um, and so we made that short, and then ended up getting to the festival, and it did really well, and it was a lot of fun. And then after that, I was like, okay, well, I'm excited for like whatever the next project is. And then uh, my best friend came to me; uh, she's a musician, and she said, "Hey, I need a music video for this song. Let me know if anything like inspires you, and let's like make something." And so I listened to the song, and then I was like, "Oh, we could do something kind of cool." And then in uh, April, we shot her music video, and it got like a really nice write-up in uh, a magazine called Ruckus. Um, and then after that, it was just kind of like a snowball effect. I just kind of kept doing the same pattern because I was like, well, that was fun. And not just the doing the projects was fun, but um, allowing myself to just say, great, okay, what's next? And, uh, giving myself kind of the freedom to not feel like I had to go out chasing after something that I was just going to let like things kind of come to me to be created, uh, which is obviously like very different from how I attached, uh, or attacked my, my acting career. And so I was like, okay, well, I, I know what I did that I didn't like during my acting career. Not that it's over by any means. I'm just, they're kind of separate at this point. Um, but I just didn't want to make the same kind of mistakes where I was just like chasing down, you know, uh, I, just like chasing the work instead of letting the work just kind of like come to me. And I feel like the, the work that came, I learned a lot and it was all really exciting. And I realized a lot about myself through directing just as a, as a creative person, which was like kind of cool.
2: Had you done anything like that before?
0: Yes. So I directed uh, something in 2014. It was a two minute, like a teaser for a feature film script that I wrote. And I had never written anything before, but I went through like a kind of like a weird breakup that I didn't fully understand what, what exactly happened. And so I was like, I'm going to write like a little scene just to kind of like figure it out. And then all of a sudden, I had a, a feature film. I had 120 pages of a story that was mostly fiction. And I was like, oh, well, this is like a whole story. I, I, should, I guess I should make something to kind of like prove that I could like turn this into something. And so I got a bunch of people together that I knew all were much, much further along in their film careers than I was. I mean, the people I won't like name drop, but there were the people that helped me with that trailer are now a very big deal. <laughs> they were, the people that were there for that very tiny piece of work out of, you know, my 25 year old self being like, great, let's make something. They are now doing much bigger things. But I thought that I, I learned that was kind of the key. It's like surround yourself with people that are really great. And so I did that one thing. And then I didn't really do anything directing-wise for another year. Um, then I did, like, a small music video in, like, 2015. And then I kind of told myself, I was like, no, I, I really, I'm an actress. Like, this is what I need to be doing. And, like, kind of turned my back on this, this thing that I really enjoyed doing. But I was like, that wasn't the plan. The plan was to be an actress. <laughs> so, <laughs> um... Yeah, it was kind of a. It's been like a long journey to this, but it feels like I'm I'm doing the things that are coming naturally now, which feels really good.
1: Sounds like the universe was trying to help you a little bit there. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're yes, like, Melody. No.
0: <laughs> did we not start by me telling you that I'm a control
1: freak? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I think it's I think it's wonderful though to see that like things that you are meant to be doing are years in the process. It's not yeah. something that's just gonna I mean it may just plop itself in your lap, but you will maybe be like, oh no, that wasn't the plan. So we're gonna just push that to the side. But it still is kind of like underlying there for a while until you were just like, you know what? No, I'm gonna let it fully come out and see where it goes.
0: Yeah. And that's really scary for someone who works works on just plans. You know, I my plan totally. was to be an actress and my plan was to be a good one. And my plan was to do everything in my power to make that happen. And I watched so many people who supported me as an actress and watched my work and loved my work and were excited for me and wanted those things to happen um, be really confused as to why it wasn't happening and kept kind of saying like the same thing where it's just like, I don't know why. Like, I don't know why you're not getting into that room. I don't know why... You're having such a hard time finding reps. Like, I don't know why. And, uh, but I would, I would say that, like, when I think about directing in this capacity, uh, it just kind of all is, like, unfolding easily. And I'm not, you know, pushing it into being something.
1: I, it's, it's hard when, you know, you're doing everything and you're like, why isn't it happening? You know, you put in the work and you see the results and you're like, I, you know, not to be conceited, but I am good. Like, why is it not, you know, coming to fruition? But it's also one of those games where because the business that you chose, that we both chose, is so unpredictable and there's no set path getting somewhere which is so difficult for my brain and I'm sure your brain to understand <laughs> because we're like no mm-hmm. there has to be like a whole plan um is that you know it can all work its way like weave its way together so you know directing will bring up things and mm-hmm. all of that stuff it's 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 cool to see that that's happened it's frustrating but i mean i think it's wonderful that you've found another way that you're like, actually really enjoy this too. And it's a way for you to let your creative self flow a little bit. Hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think you're right. I think that something you said earlier about the universe was showing you like, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Like, I think I kind of derailed myself, you know, it's like, if I, the very first thing I directed was five years ago and I kept being like, no, like, you're not doing that. Go back and do this. <laughs> like, like,
1: yeah that's a control freak and then you have your mantra so now you're okay (laughs) oh thanks guys i'm cured so i'll talk to you later Um... (laughs) we figured it out we know how to we know how the business works just don't give a shit and let things go
2: (laughs) yeah i just think it's really interesting because when i think of a director i i feel like a director kind of has to be that control freak in order for any like shit to get done so it just kind of sounds like you shifted from like having the, the control aspect of your life that that does seem kind of somewhat central and shifting it away from like, oh, this is being controlling about my career and more along the lines of like putting yourself in a position that the control is kind of a, a skill that is probably required for the role.
0: Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, I think you said it perfectly. I think the thing that I like the most about directing is I get to be a storyteller I get to live in those kind of imaginary circumstances. I get to play out the story. I get to watch it in my head. I get to help the actors get there. I get to talk to the camera about what the vision is. I get to, you know, there's so many things that I get to do that are so creative. And then I also get to be the control freak that I, that I am. And not in a way where, like, I mean, I don't know. There's probably people in this world, my family included that would say, well, like, yeah, she likes being she likes being the boss. Like I like telling people (laughs) I like to tell people what to do. I think you're right in that I've discovered that with acting, there is a part of my brain that was necessary to turn off in order to be good. There's a part of you that has to shut down all of the logistical sides of you, all of the the technical of like like the logical sides of you kind of have to be like turned off. The thing that I love so much about directing is that I get to use both sides of my brain. I've always had a really, really hard time turning off the logical side of myself. Even when I would say it was the best, the best scene, the best performance I ever gave, took a lot of energy to turn that part of me off. And I could only do it in very like minute periods of time. Um, And when you watch people who are, who are so incredible, they can turn that off so quickly. And I, I think I struggled for a really long time with that and kind of felt like that was like something that hindered me. But as a director, I find that being able to use both sides of my brain at the same time is exhilarating and thrilling. And I feel like I'm at like my 100% potential, um, that I never really quite got the same, the same feeling for, for an extended period of time before.
1: Yeah. It sounds like you were able to find a way to be your true self in a sense in something that you enjoy doing and in, in a career, because I totally get having to turn off the logistical side of your brain. It's very difficult. Um, And when you're in a capacity where you're able to use both sides, both your artistic side and your control freak side, (laughs) I think it's wonderful. And it kind of creates this world where you're able to do all the things that you want to do, whereas with acting, you may have not been able to get to that, you know, 100% truly you position.
0: Yeah, I felt like with acting, I was always asking like, is this right? Like I kept just wanting to watch myself. I kept just wanting to be like, I just need to like see it so that I can like figure out how to fix it. And as a director, I feel like I'm able to watch an actor go through that and then can like see it happening and can kind of like come in and be like, okay, so here's what's happening you are doing this right, like keep doing that, this is working, this is working, like change this part of it. Instead of me trying to do that while I'm acting, I get to kind of do that for other
1: people now, which is nice. I think it's wonderful that you have the experience of acting under your belt. So you are able to be like, oh, I know exactly how you're feeling right now. And I can relate to that. And I know how to, I think every director should have to take an acting class. (laughs) We've had this conversation before because you know, when you're in it, it's very different because you can't see it. And I've totally been in those situations where I'm like, I don't get it. I need to be able to, like, see what's happening. And that's why, you know, with the acting studio that we both went to, I think it was helpful when you had rehearsals and saw other people doing things. So You were like, oh, okay, that's kind of what I was doing. Now I can figure out how to either do that more or do that less or whatever. But I definitely think that, like, having that under your belt is so useful and so pivotal um to be able to communicate it more directly rather than having to spend a lot of time figuring out the right way to say it you're able to just be like no i understand that i clock what you're doing let me get my brain in there to help you
0: <laughs> yeah i definitely try to do that that is something that i want to to be able to do because there's nothing more frustrating than feeling like as an actor that you're you're doing something and the it's not like a it's not like you want to like please them but you want to make sure that you're doing what they want and uh totally yeah so to i always i want to be the director that supports what an actor is doing and then helps them shape it into my idea if i need it to be changed <laughs> instead of being like this is terrible
1: <laughs> right. And I mean, that's where that skill comes in is to be able to understand how an actor is feeling <laughs> to be without totally. having to be like, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. It's using the right language and then also having it in the right tone and understanding the the feelings that are involved with uh, kind of emoting that. Right.
0: Yeah. And I feel like some of the best acting teachers are are great, great directors. They probably don't want to be directors. But um, I feel like I learned a lot from watching some of our teachers, you know, just like the, the amount of support that they give an actor is so important. I think that the studio that Melody and I used to go to um, does it really well that they, um, that they approach acting in a way where it's like, you can't, you're not going to ever be bad. So let me just like guide you into your best self. I think our teachers did a really nice job of of teaching me, and not intentionally, but teaching me how to talk to actors.
1: Shout out John Rosenfeld Studios. <laughs> <laughs> what, what? Jeff Witsky, Dusty Warren. And all of our subs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Graham. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's extremely valuable. And especially because you were able to, you know, you were in that class for a while and being In that room, being able to watch how they talked to different people because, you know, everybody learns differently and everybody, everybody's brain works differently. So being able to have the terminology or the different skills to be able to communicate with different people is it's a skill.
2: (laughs) We'll probably have to have you on again to talk uh, more about uh, either upcoming things that that you're going to be doing and that kind of thing. But um, we also have a set of closing questions that we like asking everybody.
0: Oh, yeah. Totally. Let's do it.
2: Uh, what is the hardest thing uh, about pursuing the arts or any of your endeavors?
0: I think the hardest thing about pursuing the arts is not getting lost in what other people expect of you or expect you to be and, and really focusing on, on maintaining who you are as an individual.
2: Do you have any ways that that you are typically able to kind of combat that then because that is something that a lot of us struggle with?
0: I think a healthy understanding of your self-worth, which means something different to anyone, but I would say a healthy understanding of your self-worth. It doesn't mean that you have to know who you are as an artist, but you have to at least know who you are as a person and having very clear boundaries about what you accept into your life and what you don't because I think it can be very alluring to have someone tell you who they think you are so that you can get work but I think that's a really slippery slope into blurring your own personal boundaries that uh, are there to protect you and your self-worth and the love that you have for yourself
1: so well put (laughs) amazing who have you learned the most from?
0: Oh, man, this is going to sound like so weird. And I need this to come across in like the least narcissistic or <laughs> ego-driven way. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Do it. Honestly, I, I feel like I've learned the most from myself. Uh, I feel like every person knows what is best for themselves just deep down, I think inherently, we are born with like a deep truth, and we tend to get caught up in in the way that the world expects things and um and honestly, yeah, through kind of this this mindfulness journey, this meditation, this really connecting with myself and and knowing who i am i've I've just covered some like really really great uh advice that's come through meditation that's come through um, experiences that's come through from like my own self-awareness and really looking at my own bullshit and being like oh like you need to get your shit together like oh you're really hurting yourself in this situation or oh wow this is what it feels like to to be happy this is what it feels like to create something you're proud of and I, I, I know that sounds like kind of weird or I'm supposed to have some sort of answer where it's like my third grade teacher taught me, blah, blah, blah. But, um, <laughs> when I finally stopped listening to everyone else's advice and I just got quiet enough to listen to my own advice, my own self, I feel like that's where I kind of like grew the most and and learned the most.
2: I think that's a fascinating answer. Um, I actually have a very similar belief in that kind of space where it's like, even if you are learning from others, you're always the one that is eventually taking and interpreting what that is and forming it to your own perspective. So in a sense, like even if you are getting advice from others, in a way you are learning from yourself most because you're filtering out what you're actually going to be taking action on.
1: Yeah, I agree.
2: Super neat. I like that answer a lot.
1: Um. <laughs> I like It's not self-centered at all. I think it's the most honest answer. And I honestly think that, you know, you have truly found the most information within yourself. And I do think I think it's cool, um, Mitch, what you're talking about, where it boils down to everything you see. You are the one interpreting it. So you are technically learning from yourself. (laughs) You're taking (laughs) information how you want to, not necessarily because somebody can give you something in their tone or whatever, and you completely take it as something else, whether for good or bad. But that's all on you. Totally. It is. Yeah. And I think that uh, there have been some harsh
0: truths that I've had to learn from myself and some very... Um, enlightening beautiful truths that I've learned, but um, yeah, I think being aware of 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 how you're even interpreting things can really change the way that things work out for you in the world
2: totally, so kind of in the the same kind of realm, do you have any resources or anything that's kind of helped you uh, kind of become the person that you are today or that again that you've kind of learned from that you think that anyone could kind of value? Having access to that resource?
0: Oh my gosh, I'm so I'm like addicted to. I call them self learning books. A lot of people call them self help books. <laughs> mm. um, I love, um, I love. You are a badass. I think her. I think the the author's name is Jen Santos. Um, I could be wrong. I mean, Jen, uh, I'm messing it up. But she wrote a really amazing book. Brené Brown is incredible. There's another man, I think his name's Brennan. Um, he has a really good YouTube video, a TED Talk, um, that actually got me started. Uh, it actually got me started uh, living a much healthier life. Uh, meditating, journaling, connecting with people in a different way, exercising, really taking care of myself in, in, a, in a new way. Yeah, but I'm a, I'm a big, big fan of uh, reading and listening to other people Talk. I'm
1: a big fan of of some of those people. Totally not on the same <laughs> path. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a detour. <laughs> We're taking a complete detour. Um, what keeps you up at night? Uh, I mean, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, my first thought was like, oh, well, I'm like pretty terrified of the dark, so. <laughs> Um, like, sometimes just the dark itself will keep me up. Um,
1: I have a pretty valid answer.
0: Yeah. I have a, a ritual of sorts where like, uh, I have to, I've seen every episode of the office, uh, Parks and Rec and Kimmy Schmidt, because I, if I wake up in the middle of the night and I like scare myself, I'll turn on. The office, um, and it just feels like I'm like my friends are in the room. I'm like, okay, like good night, guys. <laughs> but I mean, like, what actually keeps me out? like? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I could, I could probably like. I think the meditation and the journaling definitely helps ease some of my my replaying of you know, oh, I said that thing to someone. I hope they didn't take it the wrong way, and like oh, Mm -hmm. I wonder what I'm going to do tomorrow when I see that person or, oh, you know, Mitch and Melody asked me to do this podcast. And like, what if I don't have anything interesting to say? (laughs) Incorrect, but okay. (laughs) You know, those kinds of I think they're just like normal everyday things. I mean, besides right. the dark, I don't feel like most people at the age of thirty-one would admit that they're afraid of the dark. But you know, what are you going to do? They wouldn't <laughs>
1: admit it, but... <laughs> <laughs> are, but maybe they are. That's the difference. You're stronger than they are. You admitted <laughs> it.
2: <laughs> and to make another detour, this one's a little less <laughs> scary, I guess. Um, yeah. Do you have a <laughs> Do you have a favorite like piece of art or like artistic thing that uh, has inspired you recently? Uh, like whether that's like. Uh, music a movie tv show a performance um, any of those kind of things a
0: book i mean fleabag fleabag is a national mm. phenomenon mm. and phoebe wallerbridge and i look pretty stinking similar you do yeah, when I watch the show, you know she's—it's a kind of a, we'll a little side by side. <laughs> yeah, it's a little vulgar of a of a show sometimes. And I would be watching and I'd be like, "Oh my god! Like it looks like me! Like it literally looks like I'm doing that." <laughs> um, yeah, I would say, but yeah, Fleabag is is incredible. I've never seen anyone uh, break the fourth wall like that. I've never seen an actress handle comedy and drama just. I mean, simultaneously, I think her perspective on the world is fascinating. Um, I think she's an incredible writer. I think she's an incredible actress, and she just doesn't even realize. Um, yeah, I would say that that show really, like, got me excited about uh, where TV is going.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I I love that show. The ease with which they jump, like you said, from the the insanely, like, a uh, hilarious kind of topic and then they just flip on a dime to this like really intense moment it's just kind of like startling but not so much so that you're like taken out of the experience you're like oh this is out of place like the whole time you're in it
0: yeah and she's so she's so honest she's she really like puts it all out there the good the bad the ugly the whole show is just kind of about human behavior at its best and worst i think she's incredible i think she's amazing
1: Do you have any role models? Um, And if so, are there any, you know, pieces of wisdom or quotes that you refer back to or you really love from said person or people?
0: (laughs) Wouldn't it be so funny if I was like, "Um, I really feel like I'm my own role model.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I would would love, I honestly, I was waiting, I hoped you would have done that. I was like, please say yourself, please say yourself. (laughs) No. Oh my God. I really think I'm my best role model. I really say <laughs> some amazing things. Um, I'm just so inspirational.
0: <laughs> oh my god, I would die.
1: Oh, um, <laughs> uh, a role model.
0: I don't feel like there's any one person that like, stands out. I feel like collectively, you know, mm. there's always like, so many people that come into your life just for like a brief minute, you know, and totally they kind of like show you either something about themselves and the way that they live, where you're like, God, like I want to be like that. Um, or they do the complete opposite, and you're like, Well, I know I would never behave that way. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't think that I have any one person. I will say that I read a quote from Brene Brown. And it stuck with me for a really, really long time. And it really gave me a sense of community that I'd never really like understood before. But the quote is, you can't be great in a big world without having at least one small safe place to work through your fears and failures. And I think that that is, that is very um, special. And I think it helps remind me that... Um, that you, nobody is successful on their own. Nobody comes up with a great idea and then just like magically like manifests it on their own and that it's totally okay to have a small group of people that you feel safe enough that you can work through your bad ideas or you can practice in front of or, um, and get feedback so that, you can be great in this big world. I think that the way that she phrased that really just kind of made me realize, like, we don't do anything alone. Like, we're not, we're never alone. Like, whether it's, you know, doing something great or just practicing the small stuff.
1: A lot of people forget that, you know, everyone who's successful, there's nobody that just did it by themselves. There's a team behind every successful person. People forget that it does take a village. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it really does. And anyone who thinks that they can do it on their own, I think, is really doing themselves a disservice and those around them, because I think greatness inspires greatness. And some of the people that I've shared my worst, my worst creative ideas with, I've also shared some of my best and vice versa. And I think that's important. I think that's a that was a, a good a good quote for me.
2: I, I like that quote, too, because it's just like really clear and succinct. Um, it, it's not overly complicated mm-hmm. and you can interpret it in a bunch of different ways to to kind of still have that positive impact there. If you were speaking with a person that is either between jobs, doing a nine to five that they're not really inspired by and they are interested in pursuing uh, the arts in some capacity, whether that's uh, acting, directing, or or anything otherwise, what would be the best advice that you could give them?
0: Find as much joy as you possibly can in your nine-to-five job and find time throughout your week to invest in this other part of this other career I think there's so much shame in actors needing a nine to five job. And I'm just really tired of that narrative that in order to be a successful director, actor, producer, et cetera, that you're not allowed to have something that gives you stability. And I think that it's, it's just like a really unhealthy way to look at something that you want to be pursuing as it's got to be an all or nothing thing. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, 100%. Um, It comes down to identity, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, if I was going to tell somebody, if somebody came up to me and they're like, you know, hey, I I work in marketing for, I don't know, bananas, but I really (laughs) want to be an actor, I would say, that's amazing. Take a class. Like, that's amazing. Get on Actors Access. Like, oh my gosh, yes, like you totally should take an improv class. But I think that this expectation that you have to be an actor 100% of the time, it's not sustainable, it, you know, and not in a negative way, but it's just, like, you're allowed to have stability. You're allowed to, to keep your, your 9 to 5 and still pursue this career, and that isn't a, a lesser-than thing. I just want people to know that, like, you're allowed to – to have both you know that like yes pursue your dream but like don't feel like you have to suffer while you do it
1: yeah I think that's a major flaw in the entertainment industry narrative is that you're not a real actor if you have a nine-to-five or you're not a real actor if you if you don't make all of your money out of acting or whatever I think it's really damaging and I think you know it's not accurate <laughs> because unless no. unless you're an A-list celebrity, there's no way that you can make a, a full, like l- be able to live comfortably in whatever your means are. But basic needs, it's not sustainable, like you said. And it's not, it doesn't necessarily need to be a negative thing.
0: Yeah, I think you said it right. I think it's, uh, I think it's damaging. I think it's damaging to expect people to live off of one student film a year and that that makes them an actor (laughs) like I think that that's a I think that's a very damaging narrative and I also think it's damaging to your self-worth
1: yeah it's almost kind of like you're not a real person (laughs) because you're not allowed you're not allowed to have your basic needs you know you have it's it's the idea that every actor has to suffer for there art that everybody has to be the starving actor or else you can't really call yourself an actor
0: yes so yes my advice to someone who had a nine-to-five job and wanted to pursue acting I would say absolutely take a class audition like work but but don't don't throw your whole, don't throw your whole life away to to do that it doesn't have to be an all-or-nothing thing humans are complex you're allowed to you're allowed to do lots of things
1: at one time and it actually makes you more interesting thank you guys so much for listening we really enjoyed our conversation with tessa
2: if you did too let us know by giving us a review on apple podcasts it really helps other people like you find the show
1: you can find out more about tessa and keep up to date with her on her website www.tessa-evelyn.com
2: for updates on new episodes and content, you can follow us at The Artistic Pod on Instagram and Facebook.
1: Also, we just launched a website. Woohoo! So you can get more details on the episodes, including links referenced in the episode and much more content on our website, www.artisticpodcast.com.
2: Thanks again so much for listening. We'll catch you next week.
1: See ya!